Chapter 5 of Intramuros by Rebecca Springer. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Hebrews 1, 14. When I aroused from my sleep, it was in the gray light of earth's morning, and I was standing on the doorstep of the, in Kentville that my brother and I had left together some 36 hours before, reckoned by earth time. I shuddered a little with a strange chill when I saw where we were and turned quickly to my brother Frank who stood beside me. He put his arm about me and with a reassuring smile said, for their sakes be brave and strong and try to make them understand your blessed change. I did not try to answer, though I took heart and entered with him into the house. Everything was very quiet. No one seemed to stir. My brother softly opened a door immediately to the right of the entrance and motioned me to enter. I did so, and he closed it behind me, remaining himself outside. Something stood in the center of the room, and I soon discovered that it was a pall. It was a great relief to me to see that it was not black, but a soft shade of gray. Someone was kneeling beside it. And as I slowly approached, I saw it was my dear son. He was kneeling upon one knee with his elbow resting on the other knee and his face buried in his hand. One arm was thrown across the casket as though he were taking a last embrace of his little mother. I saw that the form within the casket lay as though peacefully sleeping and was clad in silver gray with soft white folds about the neck and breast. I was grateful that they had remembered my wishes so well. I put my arms about the neck of my darling son and drew his head gently against my breast, resting my cheek upon his bowed head. Then I whispered, Dearest, I am here beside you, living, breathing, strong and well. Will you not turn to me? instead of to that lifeless form in the casket? It is only the worn out tenement. I am your living mother. He lifted his head as though listening, then laying his hand tenderly against the white face in the casket, he whispered, poor dear little mother, and again dropped his face into both hands while his form shook with convulsive sobs. As I strove to comfort him, the door opened and his lovely girl wife entered. I turned to meet her as she came slowly toward us. Midway in the room we met and taking both her hands tenderly in mine, I whispered, comfort him, darling girl, as only you can. He needs human love. She paused a moment irresolutely, looking directly into my eyes, then passed on and knelt beside him laying her upturned face against his shoulder. I saw his arms steal around her and draw her closely to him. Then I passed from the room, feeling comforted that they were together. Outside the door, I paused an instant. Then slowly ascending the stairs, I entered the once familiar room whose door was standing ajar. All remained as when I had left it, save that no still form lay upon the white bed. As I expected, 
I found my precious husband in this room. He sat near the bay window, his arm resting upon the table, and his eyes bent sorrowfully upon the floor. My heart's best friend sat near him and seemed trying to comfort him. When I entered the room, our brother Frank arose from a chair close beside him and passed out with a sympathetic look at me. I went at once to my dear husband, put my arms around him and whispered, darling, darling, I am here. He stirred restlessly without changing his position. Virginia said, as though continuing conversation, I am sure she would say you left nothing undone that could possibly be done for her. She is right, I whispered. Still, she was alone at the last, he moaned. Yes, dear, but who could know it was the last? She sank so suddenly under the pain. What can I say to comfort you? Oh, Will, come home with us. She would want you to, I am sure. He shook his head sadly, while the tears were in his eyes as he said, Work is my only salvation. I must go back in a very few days. She said no more, and he leaned back wearily in his easy chair. I crept more closely to him, and suddenly his arms closed about me. I whispered, There, dear, do you not see that I am really with you? He was very still, and the room was very quiet, but for the ticking of my little clock, still standing upon the dressing case. Presently, I knew by his regular breathing that he had found a short respite from his sorrow. I slipped gently from his arms and went to my friend, kneeling beside her and folding my arms about her. Virginia, Virginia, you know I am not dead. Why do you grieve? She looked over at the worn face of the man before her then dropped her face into her hand, whispering as though she had heard me and could answer, Oh, Bertha, darling, how could you leave him? I am here, dearest. Do you realize that I am here? She did not heed me, but sat absorbed in sorrowful thought. A few minutes later, a stranger entered the room and in a low voice said something about its being near train time and brought my husband his hat. He arose and gave his arm to Virginia, and our son and his wife, meeting them at the door, they started to descend the stairs. Just then my husband paused and cast one sorrowful glance around the room, his face white with pain. Our dear daughter stepped quickly to him and placing both arms about his neck, drew his face down to hers. God bless her in all things, I softly prayed. An instant they stood thus, then stifling his emotion, they all passed down the stairs into the room I had first entered. I kept very close to my dear husband and never for a single instant left him through all the solemn and impressive services. Through the sad journey to our old home, the last rites at the grave, the after meeting with friends, and his final return to the weary routine of labor. How thankful I was that I had been permitted to taste during that wonderful day in heaven the joys of the blessed life. 
How else could I ever have passed calmly through those trying scenes and witnessed the sorrow of those so dear to my heart? I recognize the wisdom and mercy of the Father in having so ordered it. I soon found that my husband was right. Work was his great refuge. During the day, the routine of labor kept brain and hands busy, leaving the heart but little opportunity to indulge its sorrow. Night was his trying time. Kind friends would stay with him till bedtime. After that, he was alone. He would turn restlessly on his pillow and often arise and go into the adjoining room that had formerly been mine and gaze upon the vacant bed with tearful eyes. It took all my powers to, in any degree, soothe and quiet him. After a time, my brother Frank and I arranged to spend alternate nights with him, that he might never be alone, and especially were we with him upon his journeys. We found to our great joy that our influence over him was hourly growing stronger, and we were able to guide and help him in many ways. One night, as I was silently watching beside him while he slept, many months after he was alone, I became conscious that evil threatened him. He was sleeping very peacefully, and I knew his dreams were happy ones by the smile upon his dear face. I passed into the hall of the hotel where he was staying and found it dense with smoke. I hastened back to him and called and tried to shake him, but he slept on peacefully. Then I called with all my strength, Will, close to his ear. Instantly he started up and said, Yes, dear, I am coming, just as he used to do when I called at night. Then in a moment he sank back with a sigh upon his pillow, murmuring, What a vivid dream. I never heard her voice more distinctly in life. Will, I called again, pulling him by the hand with all my strength. Rise quickly, your life is in danger. In an instant, he was out of bed, upon his feet, and hurriedly drying on his clothes. I am sure I cannot tell why I am doing this, he muttered to himself. I only feel that I must. That surely was her voice I heard. Hurry, hurry, I urged. He opened the door and met not only the smoke, but tongues of flame. Do not try the stairway. Come. And I drew him past the stairway and through a narrow entrance to a second hall beyond and down a second flight of stairs filled with smoke, but as yet no flame. Another flight still below these, then into the open air where he staggered, faint and exhausted onto the sidewalk and was quickly helped by friends into a place of safety. I am not sure I can tell what awakened me, he afterward said to a friend. I dreamed I heard my wife calling me, and before I knew it, I was dressing myself. You did hear her, I have no doubt, she said. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to do service for the sake of them that shall inherit it in salvation? What lovelier service could she do than to thus save the life of one so dear to her, whose earth work was not yet done? Yes, 
You did hear her call in time to, es to escape. Thank God for such ministrations. Yes, it must be so, he answered with a happy look. Thank God indeed. After this, he yielded much more readily to our influence and thus began to joy while enjoy while yet upon earth the reunion that so surely awaited us in the blessed life. I often went also to the home of our dear children, but there was so much to make them happy that they did not need me as their father did. Sometimes in hours of great physical prostration, especially during the absence of his wife, I found that I could quiet the overwrought nerves of my dear son and lead his tired mind to restful thoughts. But with youth and strength and love to support him, the time had not yet come when my ministrations were essential. End of chapter five.